So a universal basic income. Everybody gets $1,000 a month, irrespective of your income. Tim Hazeldean is the Emeritus Professor at Auckland University. He believes it can work. He joins us on the line now. Hello there, Tim. Thank hey, you for Tim. joining us. Good afternoon, guys. So I, we read your piece, and it was thoroughly thought-provoking, I have mm. to say. It, it, it obviously is not a new idea. Do you really believe in your heart of hearts why this will uh, that this can work? And if it can work, and you're so hard and fast on it, why do so many other economics people think it can't work? Well, okay, good question. It can work financially because our welfare state apparatus of handing out targeted transfers, benefits to individuals, families and businesses is now costing us probably this year about $50 billion tax revenue. You could do a, a 12000 a month, 12000 a year for just over 3 million qualifying adults in New Zealand for about $40 billion. So financially... Uh, you'd have a bit left over to cut taxes with. Who qualifies for it? What, what's the sort of the thresholds? Oh, well, um, I don't it would have to be decided, but I'd, I'd suggest um, sort of 18 years of residency in New Zealand, which, which would mean that anyone who was born and bred here would get it on their 18th birthday. Uh, for people, immigrants or whatever, it might take them a bit longer. So I'd say any adult in good standing uh, should get it. Mm. So mm. what about people who are currently on benefits? Do they continue to get benefits? No, they don't. The, the idea is that you stop, uh, you get this money by stopping the targeted benefit system, which has mm. become quite unwieldy and, and rather large, and just moving to this very simple, uh, you know, you're old enough, you get it system. Yeah, but what, what about people who are getting, say, that's, say, because you're saying a grand in the hand every month, so yeah. a lot of people will be getting more than a grand in the hand every month through a benefit. So how some do they get on? Yeah. Well, some of them are. You're quite right. And quite larger numbers of people are on benefits who, uh, much larger numbers than were on benefits a, a couple of generations ago. So one of the problems with our targeted benefit system is that you've got to be sick or disabled or unemployed or old to get it, which doesn't give you any incentive to not be sick, disabled, or you can't help being old. But you know, it, in other words, it provides what's called a poverty trap. Mm, that to okay. qualify for these targeted benefits, you have to not you have to have a problem you don't solve, and so you don't have a real incentive to work your way out of it. Yeah, I like that because you you definitely are not benefit bashing here, which some people, mm. you know, including myself, have a problem with. But you're saying successive governments, the welfare systems become bloated and entrenched. It's not an insurance against occasional misfortune, but a way of life for many beneficiaries and companies. So I wonder, though, Tim, if, if this did become a thing, hypothetically, yeah. does that not yeah. then put a lot of extra cash into the economy that then is going to make everything more expensive and that fuels inflation? Well, it would if it was going to cost more than they spend and we spend currently on transfer payments. But if anything, it would be cheaper to run. So I don't think it would be inflationary. There'd be less. Mm. There'd be less money going into the or less of our tax funds going mm. into the economy. That's what you're saying, isn't it? From fifty billion down to forty billion here. Well, on those numbers, yes. Yeah. Mm. So you could, yeah. if you wanted to cut the GST by a few points, it would, um, you might have a bit of money left to do that as well. We're going to have a great discussion on this for 40 minutes when we're finished with you, Tim, because you've opened up a, a can of worms because a whole lot of texts coming in saying this yeah. can never work, it can never work, it won't work, it's not fair. I, I guess the stumbling block I have mentally 
Is it just for yeah. some reason, it's just a challenge to my brain, Tim, that a guy earning what I earn hmm. would somehow get an extra $1,000 a month for doing nothing just because I can, when, when if I'm honest, I don't actually need that money? Well, you'd probably, uh, you'd probably be paying quite a lot of taxes too at the moment. So yeah. I, I, call it, I, I don't call it a UBI by choice. I call it something called the trust dividend. It's basically a, a reward for being a good, honest citizen and bringing up your kids properly and being trustworthy and not stealing in shops and things. It's basically playing your part to create and maintain a prosperous, civilised country, which is what we still are. So mm. I don't really see it as a sort of an un, undeserved handout. I see it as more a sort of a thanks, uh, thanks for being a good citizen type payment. Yeah, mm. but... but Anyone would look at that and think, yeah, look, Simon, and, and I'm in a similar category, we're comfortable, we don't need $1,000 a month, but other people need sometimes more than $1,000 a month. doesn't seem yeah, fair. Um, yeah, I, I know. So that's, that's why we have all these targeted programs. It's, all, it's people, politicians and administrators with good hearts, good intentions, saying, gee, there's a problem out there, we're going to go in and fix it. But they don't. They fix it for some people and they miss large proportions mm. of people who could be on these benefit systems just don't even get, don't even turn up and ask for them. So mm. no system is perfect. No system eradicates um, misery and poverty. But I, I think the UBI idea might actually do better on those, um, on those dimensions than the systems we've got now. Is it possible? Last question from me. Is it possible, Tim, that if you pay that kind of money, $1,000 a month to every man, woman and child, basically, that some people it's a disincentive to actually go and do anything with their future because they're going, well, it's here for good now. I don't have to do anything. I get this cash. Well, that's, a, that, that's a, another very good question. And there have been pilot studies and even full-bore full, full studies at the UBIs around the world. Um, and the thing that keeps coming out of all those studies, the results, is that it doesn't do that. People mm. don't lose their attachment to the workforce. They just find they do maybe get a better job or they go into retraining or they put some money aside and start a little business. You know, they do sorts of things like that with the money. It doesn't turn them into layabouts and druggies. I've got two mm. questions, um, uh, Tim. Firstly, would the pension remain? Yeah, no, that's another good question. About a third of this money is paid to people like me for being old. In a way, you could say the UBI is like national super, but with a qualifying age of 18 instead of 65. Mm. Okay, mm. right. And then the second question, and my last, is what other countries in the world are doing this? Countries, um, like whole countries... No, I don't think. Uh, parts of countries, uh, Alaska, for example, had a sort of a problem of all the oil and gas rents that was, uh, was, the government was bringing in. Um, and they said, well, instead of giving it to all these people who are coming in asking us to favour them, we'll just give it to everybody. So every Alaskan gets what we'd call a UBI. And, of course, they've had plenty of time to see what effect it has had. And it, it has these... It has mildly good effects and no particular bad effects. Plus, everybody's really pleased to get it. Well, and last thing, I said my question was the last, but you're a fascinating man to talk mm. to. Mm. Would, would the top tax rate have to go up to pay for this? You're saying presently we're spending $50 billion on welfare effectively, so it probably wouldn't with this scenario, would it? 
No, it, it wouldn't. I, 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 it's another it's another discussion, but I'd favour us going to a flat tax of 25% or something for everybody, and and so a lower top tax rate, but make the make the rich people actually pay it, which a lot of them don't at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, with their family trusts and tax accountants and everything. But that's another story, really. No, it, it wouldn't. The way I set it out in that in that op-ed for the Herald was this. Make it fiscally neutral, so we're not talking about taxation going up or down, we're just talking about how we spend the money. It is a really interesting piece to read in the Herald today, written by Emeritus Professor of Economics, Tim Hazeldean. Tim, thank you so much for chatting, really appreciate your time. Oh, I enjoyed the talk, thanks. Nice. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.